what had been lost. And um, this morning, I'm going to kind of give a little little review here. Took a little side detour, connected with the theme last week in Psalm 145 of what it is to be man-made in God's image and have uh, dominion over creation. And now we're going to get back to the to the main theme at hand and trace this mission of God story, this theme out here. And so, um, if you uh, uh, would turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, we're going to have our scripture reading and uh, launch into uh, God's plan. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Now the Lord had sent unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land, unto the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Ahai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful passage of Scripture that you have given us. Please help the believers at South Hope and Salvation Church to be obedient unto you and to be a blessing to their communities. Help them to be able to teach others to be a blessing to their communities who can teach others to be a blessing to still further communities. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Rowan. So we, we started here in Genesis chapter 1 with the, uh, the grand opening here of creation and human beings made to represent God, God and his creation. Amazing chapter that in Genesis 1 builds, starts with God as a source and builds with man made in his image, representing God in creation, imaging God out of status 
that's not entrusted to the other parts of God's creation except to mankind. And then we see in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve chose to distrust God and they they chose the process of, of death over life. And as a result, they had a broken relationship with creation, as creation was cursed. They had a broken relationship with each other, with humanity, as they began to share the shame and blame game. And of course, the most important broken relationship was their relationship with God, their creator. And it was a slow decay that began to descend upon mankind, but there was a promise to crush evil through a descendant from the woman Eve. And so Genesis chapter 4 through 11 shows increasing sin, despite God's pursuit we saw a couple years ago, despite his kindness in the pursuit of man, violence and, and hatred and polygamy and jealousy and anger and murder and sexual disorder and arrogance and drunkenness and lust and domination over things that should not be dominated. And even after that, when the earth is washed with a flood and purged, Noah and his family run into trouble again. Even amongst themselves. After God had in Genesis 9 blessed them and sent them out as agents to multiply and fill the earth again. And so their descendants continue that trouble. And it reaches another crescendo in Genesis chapter uh, 10 and 11 when the human heart and its decay combines and joins and unites in arrogance and insecurity to build a tower to, as it were, to overrun and invade heaven's glory and claim that for their own glory. And it's at that point that God in his graciousness and kindness He mercifully scatters them instead of wiping them off the earth. And in Genesis chapter 11, 70 nations are born who oppose God. Where does the mission of God to spread his glory through image bearers then go from here? Where does it go? How will his mission address this this deeply rooted curse of 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 the whole universe groaning in travail? The the whole creation here resulting in in chaos and man's rebellion. Not only man's sin, but also the thorns. Not only man's sin, but also the decay of the universe. How will God address this? How will His mission address the deeply rooted curse here? The nation striving, the curse on the ground, the effect to all creation, and open the way for man to be restored with the God of creation and have access to the tree of life again? And the answer is an elderly, childless couple near Babel in a city called Ur in the Middle East near Iraq today called out of idol worship in Ur to worship the one true living God. That an elderly childless Chaldean couple becomes the first phase to prepare what God will do at the end of Revelation here and usher in a new creation. And so the key verses here are Genesis 12, 1 through 3, as as Rowan read, and I'll read them again, the Lord had said to Abram, get you out of your country and from your kindred, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, 
and curse him that curses you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. He promises three things. He promises land, descendants, and a blessing. But the main thrust of those three verses there is a word that's repeated five times. In the Hebrew, it's the word barak. And it means blessing. And it's important when you're studying the scriptures to know how that word had been used in that particular book of the Bible you're studying up to that point. So when you're studying the, the scriptures and the word, the word that you have a question about, here you want to know how the author perhaps has used, if he already has used that word in, uh, in, in the book at hand. And so there have been five, uh, uh, excuse me, three times already in the book of Genesis where that word blessed has happened. Just in Genesis chapter 1. Well, Genesis 1, that word has been used three times. It's been used in day 5, when God blesses the fish and the birds. And then he calls them to multiply and fill the earth with fish and birds. Then on day 6, of course, it's used of humans. God blessed them and he gave them this commission, right? To, to, to be fruitful and fill the earth. Then on day 7, it's used of the Sabbath. <clears throat> beginning of chapter <clears throat> chapter one, beginning of chapter two, to be to be holy and rest. Then in Genesis chapter nine, with Noah, and Noah gets off the ark. Here, it's used to Noah that same word. And when you put it all together, the idea of blessing is this: it's the idea of a of a fruitfulness of multiplication, God pouring out on on humanity and and all creation here uh, a, a, a fruitfulness, a multiplication, a filling. An abundance, what we would say in the New Testament, of bearing fruit. Of bearing fruit. The same idea. And there's a couple ways it's used. It's used always vertically in relationship to God and with God. God blesses. There's nothing you can do to deserve that blessing. There's nothing you can do to earn that blessing. But there's also an expectation associated with the blessing. Just like if, if I were if I were to give you uh, a, a, a new a new vehicle here, I would expect you to not just leave that in your garage. If I blessed you with a brand new, I don't know what's your what's your whatever your favorite vehicle, truck or car or maybe if you're a little odd a Tesla uh, here, and I gave that to you here out of, out of just the, the, the generosity of my amazing heart, and I handed you those keys, and you just let that thing sit in your driveway. That would be the point of that, right? It's to drive, it's to use, it's to, it's to, it's to uh, fulfill, fulfill a part of your life here. And when God blesses here, it's not just a relationship to God where God has poured that out on us. And we have this blessing with God and in God and in relation to God. There's also a horizontal aspect. You can see that here in Genesis 12, right? You, I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. <laughs> what, to himself? No, to others, to all, eventually all the nations of the earth. And so it's something to be shared with others. It's something to be shared with others. It spreads. And you'll see this in the book of Genesis. Um, God blesses Jacob. And guess what? His father-in-law, Laban, starts to really prosper too. Starts to spread. God blesses Joseph. The Lord was with him. And Potiphar begins to experience some of that blessing. And then when, when Joseph, through, his, through the, the ups and downs of his life, becomes second in command of Pharaoh, what happens to Egypt? Egypt really starts to, to prosper here. And the point is this, that those who are blessed are called to be a blessing to others. You be a blessing because you are blessed. 
We spread God's blessing. God's blessing is never a private thing. It's never privatized. It's supposed to be shared here. You might ask yourself, well, how does this blessing spread? How does it spread? And the answer is this. It spreads as we live in the enjoyment of the sphere of blessing by responding in faith and obedience to God. A loyalty to God is blessing. Remember, obedience doesn't earn the blessing or deserve the blessing. But obedience will live in that sphere of blessing and enjoy that blessing. And what's the scope of this blessing here? Well, he said in verse 3 here, And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. This is repeated here five times through the book of Genesis. So this is a major theme that's starting to, to, uh, to run through the book of Genesis. Let me just show you a, a, a few. If you'll just get your, your, uh, your fingers ready. Let's go to chapter 18 and verse 18. 18 and 18, a couple pages over. The Lord says, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? What's that? The thing that I do? Verse 18 and 18. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Go over to chapter 22, a couple more pages, chapter 22 and verse 18. <clears throat> and in your seed, 22, 18, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because he's living in a sphere of God's blessing, because you have obeyed my voice. Again, all the nations, it's this public, it's this, it's this multiplying thing. Go over a couple pages to chapter 26 in verse 4. 26, 4. And I will make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give to your seed all these countries. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And finally, chapter 28 in verse 14. I think God's trying to get his point across to Abraham here and his descendants. And your seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and it shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. There's going to be one person, Abraham, but he's going to impact the world eventually. There's going to be one nation that comes out of him, Israel, but it's going to impact the world. And as we look ahead, there's going to be one person who is the perfect Israelite, the perfect Jew, who impacts the whole world. As the high priest Caiaphas said, that one man should die for the sins. It's important to understand this. God's choosing of Abraham, that his, his election of Abraham, sometimes we get our little antennas up when we hear that word election. It's a Bible word here, but it's, we, we've kind of distorted it a lot, I think. The idea of election, as I understand it in Scripture, is that, is that God uses it, uh, God, God, God chooses Abraham to be a blessing to others. And sometimes we use it here as, as uh, you know, this, this, this uh, uh, frozen chosen here and, 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 and put walls around here. But the point of it, God's choosing of Abraham was to do this. It was to, it was to see that Abraham and the nation of Israel, out of all the nations, is that they'll be a blessing to others. And so it's a little bit of a less of this, of, okay, you're tagged, so you're out. Or you're tagged, so you're in. And it's more of this. More of this. 
It's God using people to bring others into his family, enlarging his family. It's, it's the idea here, as I mentioned before, the difference between tag and blob tag. And tag I shared with you before, someone's it, and you get tagged, and now you're not it anymore, and now they're it. And they got to chase you. And blob tag, blob tag is a little bit different. It's like this. Uh, you, you are, um, you're, you're, ta- you're it, and, you, and I tag Mervin, and now Mervin's it with me. And now he goes and tags more people. It's the idea of expansion. That God has blessed us to bless others here. And so the scope of this blessing is all the nations here. And, and it, it's, it's, it's more of the idea like this. Remember a few years ago when those, um, those boys were trapped in Thailand in a cave? And they're trying to figure out how in the world do we get them out? And eventually they were able to get them out through an amazing engineered plan here. But imagine if the story was a little different and one of the boys trapped in that cave was able to get out. He found a place to get out, but the others were still trapped. And so he gets out. And imagine then he goes off and says, yes, I'm out. And doesn't do anything for those others still behind. But the idea of God using Abraham and choosing Abraham was this. He chose Abraham to get out of the cave, to get out of earth, so that he, then he could get help and he could pull the rest out. He could pull the rest out of the cave. That's the idea here. It's less about who's chosen to be saved and who isn't. It's more about God's call here to bring the nations of the world into God's family of blessing to bless others here. It's a purpose of mission to expand God's family through a representation of him. Now, how did God, God want Abraham to do this? You might think, well, um, Abraham uh, goes around and, and, uh, and uh, you know, he's, 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 he's got big banners up that, 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 that you know, say God's mission or, or he's doing this or that. Uh, but you know what? It's very ordinary. It's very ordinary. I want you to go over to Genesis chapter 18 to see how God was going to have this play out. And also to see God's patience here. We're talking about uh, centuries of time to where this reach, reach, reaches fulfillment, right? And it's still not done because all the nations of the earth haven't been blessed by this. They're still lost. Look at Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18 and verse 17. This is um, when God's visiting uh, Abraham here in the plains of Mamre and he's about to do something to Sodom because of their hard-heartedness. In Genesis 18 and verse 17, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that's the idea of I have known him. God has begun a relationship with Abraham. I have known him. That he will command his children and his household, his family, after him. He's going to oversee his family's descendants for what? And they shall keep the way of the Lord. They're going to, he's going, to, he's going to, to shepherd them into obedience with God's covenant here. Sphere of God's blessing. To do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of. Something, something really simple and profound here. Um, here's the idea. God chooses Abraham to be the founding father, right? And he's going to do this great thing of multiplying uh, uh, their, their impact and influence here for God's glory, for the name of God to the nations. But how is he, how is he going to do that? 
or they're going to live in God's ways. They're going to be distinctly different here, living in God's ways. Not living for the idolatry, not living for the worldview of the culture of that day, but living for God's glory. Distinctly different, loving God and loving neighbor, ultimately here. Their community that lives according to God's ways here. There's going to be this community that's going to come out of Abraham, and they're going to live the first word there is justice. It's actually the word righteousness in the Hebrew here. And righteousness means, as they live walking the ways of God, righteousness means um, that they live in the same ways as God. As God has done to them, so they do to others, to themselves. Righteousness is this very simple idea here. What you ought to do in your relationships and actions that's in line with God. That's righteousness. What you ought to do that is in line with God in your relationships and actions. And then the second word translated just, judgment is actually the word justice. And it's this idea here. It's a word used in, in Micah uh, 6, 8. What does the Lord require? Right? But to do justly, to do justice, to love mercy, walk humbly with your God. It's this idea here of serving others and coming under them to lift them up with what God has blessed you. And the best illustration of that is in Luke chapter 10 with the Good Samaritan. That's the idea here. And so God has commanded this community of Abraham who lives this way. That's his plan from the very beginning. Because they are mirroring how God has blessed them and, 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 and come into their lives here. And the, and the goal is this. Look what he says in verse 18. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed him. For I know him that we will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he promised them. A blessing for all the nations. For the planet here. And so his mission was to bring about the blessing of the nations. In other words, it's this. Abraham had been redeemed out of idolatry. To live redemptively. To live in God's grace. To image out that grace. To speak of God. To obediently respond to God's grace. To see others brought into this. And so it is with us. The idea here with Abraham in Genesis 12, 1-3 is this. Three things. Go, be a blessing, and all the nations will be blessed through you. All the nations will be blessed through you. And so when God set about his project to bless the nations, he didn't just call Abraham out of Ur and whisk him up. Here, but call them to be in a, begin a community that blesses because they have been blessed. You might ask yourselves, well, hey, that was Abraham. That was 4,000 years ago. How does this connect to us? And Galatians tells us that we have been grafted into the family of Abraham through faith. And this mission has been extended to us as well in Jesus' church. Not to replace Abraham and Israel but expanded here to continue God's mission. And look in Galatians, Jew and Gentile, look in Galatians. This is so amazing here. In Galatians chapter 3, really important verses here to understand this. Galatians 3, verse 5. He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And who does he pick here? Is an example of this. 
Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, those who believe, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, the nations, the unbelievers, the Gentiles, through faith, preached beforehand the gospel to Abraham, saying, And you shall all nations be blessed. What a simple summary of good news, right? And you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. We've been given a mission. We're included in that mission. I love the book of Matthew. Matthew arranges his book into five sections, just like the five books of the law. And Matthew, of course, begins his his, uh, his gospel, his good news story of Jesus, with a genealogy. And he says the beginning, or the genesis, of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he doesn't start with Adam in his genealogy. You know who he starts with? He starts with Abraham. He starts with Abraham. Because this is where the rescue plan, the mission, really starts to take hold here. He starts with Abraham. And, and, and it traces out here what Jesus does, the story of Jesus. And you know how Matthew ends in chapter 28? Go ye where? In the whole world, and what? Make disciples of all the nations. He begins with the good news of Jesus. So Jesus is the descendant who makes this happen perfectly. Descendant of Abraham, the representative of Israel, for whom God's blessing will at last reach the nations. And then he ends it with how Christ commissions his followers to continue this good news preached beforehand to Abraham. Today, God is extending that mission through his church, his bride, to engage in until he returns. There's some common themes here with what God told Abraham in Genesis in Genesis 12. Uh, go and be a blessing and a nation will be blessed through you. Matthew picks up the same themes here but expresses it in a little differently but you'll see that same pattern, won't you? Go, or as you're going, make obedient disciples of Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, teaching them to obey all of Christ, right? And do this to all nations. To all nations. We are blessed to bless. We have been undeservedly blessed by Christ to bless others. And just as in the beginning, uh, we are made to image out God as a status through Christ. He has poured into us the true, perfect image of God. To express God in the way we live and our message of good news in Jesus, the gospel here. We've been undeservedly blessed in Christ to bless others. And so we image God in an old-fashioned word called virtue, character, fruit of the Spirit, you could say, bearing fruit, right? We represent Jesus. We're icons of Jesus here. The way, our, 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 the character that he's forming in us. We call this sanctification. Right? We come to Christ, and Christ, in Galatians, um, Paul said he, he labors to see Christ formed in the Galatians. That's the true image of God. 
and virtue of the saving king. We set ourselves aside to serve King Jesus and, and, and others. And we image God in the message of the story of Jesus, the good news, the gospel on our lips. To give the reason of the hope of glory that's inside us. Through relationships that we're building intentionally. Let me illustrate this. Um, it's been called the greatest rescue mission of World War II that maybe you never heard about. Later in the war, American bombers were sent on a pretty dangerous mission over southern Europe to, to cripple the Nazis' oil supplies in the reserves. And so there were hundreds of crews in that Mediterranean era and flying tin cans, basically, who soared through these storms of anti-aircraft shells to shoot them down. And many of these American bomber pilots were forced to bail because their planes had been, had been shot up, of course. Some of them were injured, but they, they drifted by parachute into what was occupied Yugoslavia. And when they landed, they expected to be captured or killed because the Germans owned that territory at that time. But instead, on the ground, there were these remarkable rescue teams that were already in place. Serbian peasants. Who would, who would track the path of these floating flight crews as they descended into what they thought was inevitable uh, POW time. And their sole mission here was to grab these flyboys and bring them to safety before the Nazis got there. Right. And so they would risk their own lives, these peasants, and they would feed and they would shelter these downed pilots and, and, and soldiers and these rescued men were friendly hands but they were on enemy soil. And they still needed to escape. And the story of what became known as Op Operation Haler uh, builds toward a, a daring mission. There's a secret landing strip, and there's this undercover evacuation plan, secret evacuation plan. And amazingly, those Serbian peasants rescued every single American airman, over 500 in all. But here's the, here's the sub-story to this rescue here. That's amazing. Fascinating. To travel to the eventual evacuation site after they were rescued by the, by the Serbians here, these airmen had to spend weeks following these Serbian revolutionaries, freedom fighters, because they alone knew the path to the evacuation site. And so, despite the obvious language barriers between the Serbians and the Americans, the direction and the pace of the destination were in the hands of the rescuers. So you, had to, you had to do what the rescuers said if you wanted to get the freedom here. The men had been saved from their enemy, but the journey had just begun. They still had to walk to freedom here. And that story really opens up a light on the spiritual reality here. To be rescued from something means that God has set us on a path. He set us on a path towards something. For those airmen in that day, it was a journey of just physical survival, right? Want to see your family again. For us, it's a journey of faith. The one who has saved us is calling us to walk. It's not negotiable. He doesn't say, okay, I, I, I saved you, you're going to stay here in enemy territory here and just hunker down. No, he saved us to, be, to spread his light. And so we've been snatched from spiritual death when we discover that the Christian life is an adventure. <laughs> That's an adventure. It's a journey. And Christ rescues us, and he points us to the path of following him. And that's why Matthew records Jesus as saying, teaching them to obey whatsoever I command them. 
make disciples. We make disciples and make disciples. And bring your lives under, under Jesus. Um, Paul says in Ephesians 4, 1, that, that we have this active life here to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. And it means this. That means that we seek to represent Jesus. We are icons of Jesus. We are the image of God to the nations. Our marriages and our families and our neighborhoods and our communities. And so we need to ask ourselves, like Abraham, what in our life do we need to leave behind in the family to join God's mission? What are we going to have to replace, like Abraham, with his idolatry here, with right beliefs about God and God's task for us? And using us to be a blessing through the presence of Christ in us. Where do we need to obey and follow God's call to be a blessing to the nations? Beginning in our everyday circles and our everyday cycles of life. God opens up tremendous doors for the gospel when we engage people with service and care. God shuts down the darkness through the Spirit when we don't live for ourselves. When we obey God's word. When we share the good news that we've been blessed with through the chain here, uh, this unbroken chain of God's blessing through Abraham. Do you know the people around you well enough and have worked to build up a relationship with them that they would trust you to share a need? Is, is, is the way that we currently are or aren't blessing others going to be something that we're going to rejoice in at the end of our lives or have regrets? Maybe, maybe you might be wondering, is this really worth it? And, if, and, and does our part make a difference? Or what will be the end reward of reorienting our lives and doing the everyday cycles and everyday relationships but with an intentionality here of blessing the nations here? What will this look like when it's done? And I want to show you the last book of the Bible and have you turn to Revelation, please. Revelation 5. There are a few scenes that we get a peek into in the book of Revelation that John gives to show that in the turmoil and in the, in the, in the, in the craziness of the world, God's on the throne. And God has a people here who worship Him. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, you have one of the first scenes. They sung a new song saying, You are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of what? Every kindred and tongue and people and nations and have made us to our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Go to chapter 7, verse 9. Revelation. Revelation 7, verse 9. As John sees the 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe of Israel, he says in verse 9, And this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindred and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne, and to the Lamb. Let me have you turn to one last passage at the end 
chapter 21 and verse 24. Speaking of the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, God is working towards in the plan of his mission. In Revelation 20 and verse 24, it says this, And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gate of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall no wise enter into anything that defiles either whatsoever works of abomination or detestable things or makes a lie the day which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. And, and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life. Access has been regained, which bore twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That's where God's going with all this. And He's called us to be a part of this. Is He worthy of this? To receive the reward of His suffering? Is this where history is moving towards? Has he called us to be busy until he comes? Because we have been richly blessed. We image God and we bless. And the virtues, the good, the good fruit here of the saving kings, we set ourselves aside to serve. As Hebrews says, we stir one another up to love and good works. A lot of times that's left out of the assembly part. The faithful assembly part. You get that part, but we miss our responsibility. Stir one another up to love and good works. And so we image God and we bless when we share the message of this true story of Jesus, the good news and the gospel on our lips, and we have a life that backs that up. Of God's transforming grace. To give the reason of the hope of glory inside us. We image God and we bless. Through relationships. Now I understand we're all different with relationships here. Some of us move into them really quickly. Some of us are slower. Understand that. But none of us is exempt from using the relationships that God's put in our lives that we're to intentionally build as we love our neighbor for God's glory. Because we want the land to receive the reward of his suffering. Beginning of this week, there was a tragic suicide in Appleton. And as I was um, helping there on the scene after, one of the hard things I had to do was to hand the boyfriend the note. And I thought to myself, it's not supposed to be this way. Genesis 1 and 2 wasn't supposed to be this way. And then God reminded me, you're here to be a blessing. And God made connections and opened doors and allowed me to, through crude ways, be an encouragement through my own stumbling. Because that's our task. 
May the Lamb receive the reward of his suffering. What virtues in your life that are like Jesus do you need to put on? What are the things in your life that don't look like Jesus that you need to put on? Where do you need to be renewed in the renewing the thinking of your mind of God's truth? Who are the people you need to have a conversation about about the story of Jesus and the hope that is within you? Now to him who is able to establish you according to the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began though it was preached beforehand to Abraham and you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. But now revealed by the scriptures of the prophets, made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for all the nations to come to the obedience of the faith, to God alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Romans 16.